This is my Bible. It is the Word of God and the will of God for my life. I am who the Word says I am. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm where the Word says I am. I'm seated right now in the heavenly realms, in Christ Jesus, in the place of authority, dominion, and power. I have what the Word says I have. All the blessings of Abraham are mine. And I can do what the Word says I can do. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Today my mind is alert. My spirit is receptive. As I am taught the Word of God, my life is changed for the better. And I will never be the same again. Amen. May be seated. And as you're being seated, if you would, turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 4. We've been saying that we did not participate in COVID, and just as we did not participate in COVID, we're not going to participate in any recession. The government, the Federal Reserve, they can do whatever they're going to do, but we're not, we're not going to participate, amen? amen? And so just have an attitude of faith, and our faith is that anyone that might lose a job for any reason, it'll be quickly replaced with a better job, with better income, better benefits, and an income will go up, not down. So in these days, focus, pay debt off, look to the Lord as your source, work the plan of God, and so expecting miracles. We've been in a new series on the miracles of the New Testament, and today we come to the third miracle, and the third miracle of Jesus. We're learning how miracles took place in the Gospels and in the book of Acts, and we're learning the patterns and the principles of these miracles so that we can apply them to our own lives. Once you discover a pattern or a principle in the Word of God, you can work that pattern or that principle again and again and again for good results. There is a way that works. In the cafe, one of pastor's workbooks is entitled The Successful Lifestyle Pattern. There are patterns that work. There are patterns that lead to success and good results. And once you discover those patterns, you can work them again and again. As we say all the time, God's word is true, and the word works for anyone who works the word. So in this series, we're, we're learning these patterns and principles. You can apply them to your life. You can live a blessed life. You can see your needs met. Now today, we're going to deal with something that uh, you might not expect. You might not be, be ready for, but here it is. Did you know that in your life, you don't have to put up with, tolerate, permit, or allow any work of the enemy in your life, your home, your family? We are to drive the enemy out. We are to drive the devil out. Luke 4, beginning in verse 31. Then Jesus went down to Capernaum. You read the Gospels, you learn that was his hometown. He went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, on the Sabbath, and began to teach the people. You know, we gather on Sunday in celebration of the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, but before that happened, they would gather on Saturday, on the Sabbath, and Jesus began to teach the people. They were amazed at his teaching because his message had authority. And this message today very much connects to knowing who you are in Christ, and living and talking and acting and caring and conducting yourself based on who you are in Christ. They were amazed at his teaching because his message had authority in the synagogue. So not, not somewhere out in the world, not, not in the market, in what we would call church, in the synagogue. There was a man possessed by a demon, an evil spirit. In the Greek, it literally says an un clean spirit. People come to church for help, and they ought to get help in the house of God. People come to church for help, and they ought to get help in the house of God. And we live in a time, we live in a culture where now people are being told sin is no longer sin, that things that are wicked and dark and evil are no longer wicked and dark and evil. Well, in the midst of all that, those lies, how can people get help? How can people find freedom? How can people find the victory? 
So in these days, we have to just decide we're going to stand with the Word of God. People come to the house of God to get help. Dr. Lester Sumrall once told my father many years ago that the light in demons went out long ago. And so they will come near to a church with God's presence to warm themselves by the fire, the presence of the anointing of God. So verse 33, in the synagogue, there was a man possessed by a demon, an evil spirit, literally an unclean spirit. He cried out at the top of his voice, ha, what do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Now, the man is speaking, but it's not the man speaking. It is the devil inside the man using the man to speak and speaking through the man. Ha, what do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. The man did not know who Jesus was. Even the religious leaders did not know or denied who Jesus was. But the demon inside this man knew who Jesus was. He said, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Look at how Jesus handled this situation. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. Then the demon threw the man down before them all and came out without injuring him. All the people were amazed and said to each other, what is this teaching? With authority and power, he gives orders to evil spirits and they come out. Part of connecting with what this message is about today is knowing who you are in Christ, acting on the basis of who you are in Christ, caring and conducting yourself on the basis of who you are in Christ. And I, I realize that all of this flies in the face of our modern, sissified, weak culture. And out there in the culture, there's this expectation that we're just supposed to put up with whatever life hands us. And you got to set that aside to walk in the victory God has for you. You know, sometimes we'll drive through as a family. Last Sunday, I did that while Jessica took Emily home for a nap. You drive through, you place your order. When you get to the window, what do you expect? You expect to receive what you ordered. But I've noticed, no matter where you go, when they hand you the food, and for us as a large family, I can't just hope for the best that they're giving us the right order or giving us everything that we ordered. Now, in the Bible, there's only one unpardonable sin, and that is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. But there's a, there's, there are unpardonable sins out in the culture. And I've learned one of them is when they hand you that bag, if you dare to look inside, and they just look at you and stare at you as if you're calling them a liar, you don't trust them, well, you better not trust them. Last Sunday, I drove through, and they, they, said, is this ev they said, this is everything. I asked, is this everything? They said, this is everything. Well, praise God, I looked because there was a whole lot that was missing. So I look, there, one thing's missing, two things are missing, three things are missing. You know, we order fajitas, there, there are no tor tortillas here. So we're, we're not to be arrogant. We're not to be rude or condescending, but you gotta give up this thing of just accepting everything life sends your way. Accepting everything life brings your way. Well, we, we order, and we expect orders to be followed, to be carried out. And you, you go somewhere to eat, you order something, it's not what you order, what should we do? Should we just accept it? Should we just eat it, settle for it, or should we send it back until we receive what we order? So notice, it says with authority and power, he gives orders. Why don't we say orders? Well, well, that's a certain stance. This is someone who knows who he is, and he is speaking and acting accordingly. And we ought to be the same in our lives spiritually. With authority and power, he gives orders to evil spirits, and they come out. The news about Jesus spread throughout the surrounding area. So in your life, don't put up with, don't tolerate, don't permit, don't allow any work of the enemy. Drive the enemy out. And how do we do that? 
What is the pattern or principle that we can work again and again? Drive the enemy out with the word of command based on the authority you have in Christ. Jesus did not pray some long prayer. They did not do some long three-day, four-day, five-day exorcism session. Jesus said, be quiet. Come out of him. Jesus said in Luke 10 and verse 19, I have given you authority. The word is exousia, right? Privilege, authority, to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all. The Bible says all, all the power of the enemy, nothing will harm you. And as we'll learn in the message, authority trumps power every time. Drive the enemy out with a word of command based on the authority you have in Christ Jesus. Be quiet. Come out of him. The great healing evangelist Oral Roberts once said, God is a good God and the devil is a bad devil. But it's amazing how many believers, they love the Lord, they're, they're confused about this. It's so clear and so simple, yet too many believers are confused about this. God is a good God. The devil is a bad devil. God is a good God. The devil is a bad devil. Our heavenly father is good. He is wonderful and he is good all the time. Lucifer was beautiful. He was one of the three archangels, yet he was filled with pride and arrogance. And so as the Bible tells us, he led a third of the angels in rebellion against God, and the Lord cast him down from the heavens to planet earth. The earth was formless and void, and God remodeled the earth. The Bible says, and God saw that it was good. God then made mankind in his image, in his likeness. He made us to rule and to reign over creation. He gave us dominion and authority. What well, were made in the image of God. The first man was Adam. The first woman was Eve. From the beginning, Satan has been a liar, a deceiver, and a user. And Satan used a serpent, one of God's creations. He used a serpent to lie to Adam and Eve, to deceive them. And they sinned against God in sin. Adam and Eve ate from the one tree in the garden God had told them not to eat from, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In sin, Adam handed his dominion and authority over to Satan. Paul tells us in the New Testament, this is why Satan became the God, the little G-O-D of this world. This is how when Satan tempted Jesus, he could offer Jesus all the kingdoms of this world if Jesus would only bow down and worship him. Satan said to Jesus, I will give you all their authority and splendor, for it has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. So if you worship me, it will all be yours. Because of Adam and Eve's sin, sin entered into this world. Because of their sin, the curse entered into this world, and the curse is sin, sickness, poverty, and death. But praise God, in Christ, we have been redeemed from the curse. In Christ, we have been redeemed from the curse of the law. Paul writes in Galatians 3, beginning in verse 13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles. How? Through faith in Christ Jesus. But he uses that word might. We have a part to play. And to walk in the blessing of God, part of that is knowing who you are in Christ, acting who you are in Christ, living out who you are in Christ, and driving the enemy out of your life and out of your home and out of your family. Don't put up with, tolerate, permit, or allow any work of the enemy. Drive him out. And what's the pattern or the principle that you can work again and again and again. Drive the enemy out with the word of command based on the authority you have in Christ. Jesus said, be quiet, come out of him. That was it. Be quiet, come out of him. Now, why am I sharing all of this extra biblical background, all this extra information with you today? No matter what you may face, to be able to believe God, to be able to make your good confession of faith, to be able to pray in faith, to know God hears and answers, you've got to be clear about what is of God and what is of the devil. How can you go to war in faith? How can you fight the good fight of faith? 
if you are uncertain whether or not something is of God or you're not sure, is it God or is it the devil? We live in politically correct days. No one wants to call good, good. No one wants to call evil, evil. No one wants to call light, light. No one wants to call darkness, darkness. No one wants to acknowledge the reality that there is an enemy and there is a spiritual war that must be waged. So why don't we say that? Say, there is an enemy. And say, Christ has given me the victory. Our job is to enforce the victory we have in Christ. Not me, not my family, not my house, not, not my realm, my sphere of influence. Don't bother someone else. Go harass someone else. Not me, not my wife, not my children, not my family, not my house, not this church. You go somewhere else. And see, and then we live in days where, you know, people get nervous. Because we're not supposed to speak as if we have authority. We're not, we're not supposed to act as if we have authority. We're, we're, we're supposed to go through life getting kicked around, accepting what everyone hands us, and just accept it. Well, that's not how you have the victory. That's not how you live a blessed life. Paul tells us in Ephesians 6 and verse 12, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. How do you have good people? How do you have good people with good intentions who run for office and within six months of being in Washington, D.C., they're a part of the system? We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world. You read the, in Revelation, the seven letters to the churches. Jesus spoke of the place. You know, we, we, we have it in our mind as Christians that right now Satan's in hell sitting on his throne. He doesn't want to be in hell. There's coming a day when he will be cast into the lake of fire. You might say, well, where's the devil right now? Probably in Washington, D.C., or in London, or in Paris, or where the World Economic Forum is gathering. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world. And this evil, wicked culture, and, and make no mistake, no doubt about it, in this evil, wicked culture ruled by Satan, the very meanings of words are being changed. Confusion abounds. Well, Austin, is confusion of God or of the devil? It's of the devil. Amen. See, if you, you do the daily Bible reading, if you begin living your life according to this book, you're not going to be confused about anything. There, there's no confusion in God. There's no confusion in Christ Jesus. There's no confusion in the Word of God. Confusion is of the devil. No matter what you may face, to be able to believe God, to be able to make your good confession of faith, to be able to pray in faith, you got to be clear about what is of God and what is of the devil. How can you go to war in faith? How can you fight the good fight of faith if you are uncertain whether or not something is of God or of the devil? The dividing line in the Bible is John 10.10. Jesus said, the thief, the enemy, Satan, the thief cometh not but for to steal, kill, and to destroy. I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. But how do we have life? How do we live the abundant life? Part of that is driving the enemy out. And again, when he shows up, when he knocks on the door, or when you look at a child's phone and think, that's the devil saying, not me, not here, not my family, and driving him out. We have to do our part. We know the will of God by his word. Sickness is a part of the curse. Sickness is not of God. Our Heavenly Father wants us healed and well. He wants us to walk in divine health. Anxiety and depression and worse are not of God. Bondages, substance abuse, addictions are not of God. Our Heavenly Father wants us delivered and set free. Now, I didn't handle this at nine, but I'm going to handle it this service. Tell your neighbor, say, don't be weird. Tell your other neighbor, say, don't be ridiculous. Tell your other neighbor, say, don't be, don't be superstitious. Not everything is God, and not everything is the devil. You know, you might live in an older place that makes some noise or 
make some noise when there's some extra wind. You know, some days in Texas, it's windy. That's not the devil. Your house is not haunted. You need to break out the nail gun and a screwdriver and tighten things up. Amen. You know, we, we have five children. They're all different. Praise the Lord. Some of them require a little extra attention than others, a little extra discipline than others. But when a little one has a bad attitude or throws a tantrum, that doesn't mean that they have a devil. It means they, look, they need their little behind spanked. <laughs> Bible says, spare the rod and? And you know, you go around and you do business in this culture, it's obvious. Some people out there, they were never spanked. They were never put in time out. They were never grounded. So not everything is God. Not everything is the devil. And for some things, there is a natural explanation. You know, and if you hear squeaky noises in your house, it could be something in the walls. A mouse, rat, ratatouille, call pest control. Don't be weird. Don't be super spiritual. Don't be superstitious. You know, we're finally at a time in life where sometimes during the night, it is truly a quiet night and all is still. And so sometimes when it's quiet and, the, and Emily's quiet and Jessica's not snoring, I, she, she, I snore more than she does. So, And the AC or the heat's not running. You know, not far from us, there's a large AM radio tower. So occasionally I, I can hear a little bit of interference. That's not God. That's not the devil. There is a natural explanation. A few years ago, we, we'd be quiet and try and watch something and room we have to do that. And on the north side of our house, we've got an air intake for fresh air. Well, there must have been an owl in one of our neighbor's big tree. And be quiet, you know, finally settling down to relax. You hear, whoo, whoo, whoo. Well, praise the Lord. I don't have a rifle, don't have a scope, don't have a silencer, because I sure would have loved to go out there and blow that owl away. My point is, not everything's God. Not everything's the devil. Tell your neighbor again, don't be a weirdo. Tell your other neighbor, say, don't be a weirdo. Now, now that we've covered that, are we good? Amen? But some things are the devil. To go to war in faith, to fight the good fight of faith. You've got to know whether it's good or bad, light or darkness of God or of the devil. And once you know you can fight the good fight of faith. Once you know, you can pray in faith. Once you know, you can boldly say what the word of God says. Once you know, you can exercise the dominion and authority you have in Christ. Once you know, you can tell the enemy to get out of your life. Jesus said in Luke 10 and verse 19, I have given you authority, exousia, right, privilege, authority to trample on snakes and scorpions, to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. So what is the pattern? What is the principle we can work? Drive the enemy out with the word of command based on the authority you have in Christ. Be quiet. Come out of him. Now, I'm not going to tell a bunch of demon stories today. When I was a young man, had the opportunity to go with my father and minister with him in Mombasa, Kenya. We got there and I was a young man, about 14. The missionary Bud Sickler thought my father would do all the preaching all week. My father told him, he said, no, I want Austin to do the, the night services to learn. Missionary Bud Sickler was horrified, but praise God for his grace and for his mercy by the end of the week. He thought it was his idea. But that's all the grace and mercy of God. Amen. You know, as a young, I still consider myself young. I'm learning every day. Amen. And us young people, we don't know everything. But praise God for his grace and mercy. But later that week in one of the evening services, we were praying for the sick, coming down the line, and not at the front, but two or three people behind the front. There was a young lady just glaring at me as I was coming down the line praying for people. And the look that she had, the look that she was giving was so evil, I knew that that's not normal, that's not natural, that is the devil. And as I got closer, that intensified. And as I was near, I looked, her, her pupils changed. 
They were no longer around. They were like the pupils of a serpent. And all I said was, because again, we're to do everything on the basis of the word of God. And all I said as I prayed for those in front and then looked at her, I said, come out in Jesus' name. And then I went on down the line. Years later when we were back, I saw that same young lady, older. She had a ring on her finger and she had a baby in her arms. And everything was normal and blessed. That is the goodness of God. With God, all things are possible. But we got to know who we are in Christ and not be scared, not be intimidated, not be pushed around. Father God is real. Jesus is real. The Holy Spirit is real. And Satan, the Bible calls him in Job, Ha-Satan, the accuser. Revelation calls him the accuser of the brethren. Satan is real. But we do not have to fear him or his works. Peter wrote in 1 Peter 5, beginning in verse 8, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. Like a roaring lion. He is not a roaring lion. Too many believers act and talk as if he is a roaring lion. He is not. He masquerades, he pretends, he dresses up like he's a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Verse 9, resist him. What are we to do? Give in, settle, put up with tolerance? No, we are to resist. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. He prowls around like a roaring lion, but he is not a roaring lion. He is a pretender. And this is another reminder that confusion and pretense and dress up and make believe, which everyone in our culture is going along with today, is not of God. It is of the devil. So don't permit it. Don't tolerate it. Don't allow it anywhere near your house or family. The works of Satan are real. He uses people. He destroys people. He wrecks and ruins lives. As Jesus says in John 10, 10, he steals, he kills, and he destroys. Just as the kingdom of God is real, so too is the kingdom of darkness. So do not be deceived. It's amazing how many times the New Testament tells us, do not be deceived, which means it is possible to be deceived. Do not be deceived. There is such a thing as demonic influence. There is such a thing as demonic oppression. There is demonic possession. And this is why you should never open the door to darkness in your fellowship or conduct or in what you watch or listen to. Do not be deceived. Just in the news today, there was an article about how in the United Kingdom, in Britain, which was once a cradle of Christianity in the United Kingdom, in recent months, the church of Satan has grown by 200%. But don't worry. In the article, people interviewed, they say, well, they don't worship Satan. You know, it's called the church of Satan, but they don't actually worship Satan. And even though they dress up and gather at night out in the woods, you know, it's not like the old days. There's no longer any people or animal sacrifice. It just helps people with their positive self-esteem. We are living in wicked days. And the article talks about how more and more young people are flocking to that in England. We are living in wicked days. Just in the last year, in the New York Times of all places, there was an article about the teen witches of TikTok and how with the COVID lockdowns and young people turned loose on the internet, especially among young teenage girls, that witchcraft has become increasingly popular and a popular fad on TikTok is young girls learning how to dabble in witchcraft and cast spells and cast spells through TikTok and social media. We are living in wicked days. The last year or two, there have been articles, even in liberal newspapers, about how with the COVID lockdowns in the past few years, especially among young teenage girls, there has been an explosion of young girls with ticks and uncontrollable compulsive physical behaviors and things like Tourette's. And the, the common denominator in the article, the psychologists here, 
doctors here that parents and young people say there, there were no issues, but they, they were watching young people on social media and watching young people on TikTok with these issues, and then suddenly it affected them. Well, if you watch devils, it is an open door to who? The devil. See, some things are not natural. There are some things that there is only a supernatural explanation for. This is why you should never open the door to darkness in your fellowship or your conduct or in what you watch or listen to. This is why we learned in the series on 1 John to walk in the light and not in darkness. People open doors through what they watch or listen to or read. You know, for Christmas, our, our oldest girls, they wanted iPads. So Jessica got the iPads, and one day she said, you know, Christmas is coming up. You need to start setting these up. And before I was finished, I wanted her to take them back and return them and do something else. Anyone who knows me knows I'm a pretty tech-savvy guy. And, but after a few hours, I wanted to throw in the towel because they make it so hard, so difficult to set up parental controls and to set up the system whereby when they want to download an app or do new things, it asks you, the parent. You know, they could make it easy. Child safety only. Boom. Done. Why don't they make it easy? So hours and hours and hours of setting that up and setting screen time up. And then can't just trust them. Amen? So download an app for extra parental control and internet supervision. Hours, hours, hours setting that up. Parents, I sympathize. I understand where you're like, well, I'm not doing all that. You know, here's your iPhone. I hope for the best. But you can't do that. You got to guard your home. Got to guard what has been entrusted to your care. You got you to gotta be like the CIA. You know, there's negative stories about the government knowing everything and listening in on everything. But in your home, you better be like the CIA or the FBI or the NSA, which no one talks about. You better know everyone being communicated with, everything going on, everyone being texted. I get, I get nonstop email notifications about what they're doing when they're using them. And that's not a nuisance, that's a good thing because as the father, I need to know what's going on. But doors get open. Doors get open through what people and young people watch or listen to or read. Doors get open through sinful, wicked behavior. Doors get open when people go places they should not go. Places of darkness. Both Mark and Luke call the evil spirit an unclean spirit. How does someone pick up an unclean spirit in unclean places, doing unclean things with unclean people who have unclean spirits? People open doors through wrong fellowship and wrong relationships, through drugs and substance abuse. People open doors by dabbling in astrology and witchcraft. And no, it's not just the lady on late night TV. No, it's not just the lady on the highway down the road. You see Christian people and they, they, they have their daily horoscope on Facebook. It's godless. It's wicked. There ought not be any darkness in our lives. The last few years in the Christian news, there was an article about how at one of the largest charismatic ministries at their conferences, they were allowing and permitting to go on in the area outside and in the hallways. Positive palm reading. There's no such thing as positive palm reading. That is witchcraft. And it is of the devil. And positive tarot card reading. There, there's no such thing as positive tarot card reading. Recently, a man in the church sent me a link, online store, I won't say which one, selling a Holy Spirit Ouija board to communicate with the Holy Spirit. We live in wicked days. And we ought not give the devil any place in our lives, in our home, in our family. Just a few years ago, Target was selling a Ouija board, pink Ouija board, targeted to little girls. We are living in wicked days. And how does the door get open? People open the door by dabbling in astrology and witchcraft. People open doors by dabbling in false religions, which is the worship of demons. People open the doors through sexual immorality. Sex is not just a physical joining together. It is also a spiritual joining together. Some things are so evil and so wicked and so perverse, they require demons. We're to walk in the light 
not in darkness. Knowing what is of the darkness is not difficult. We're to distinguish good from evil. And that is a mark of spiritual maturity in Christ. Hebrews 5, beginning in verse 13, says, Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Sin is of the devil. Sickness is of the devil. Poverty and lack and not enough are of the devil. Anxiety and worry are of the devil. Depression, suicidal thoughts, self-harm, suicide are all of the devil. Don't put up with, don't tolerate, don't permit, don't allow any work of the enemy. Drive him out. And how do we do that? With the word of command based on the authority we have in Christ. Be quiet. Come out of him. That's all Jesus said. Demonic spirits are fallen angels. They harass, they intimidate, they destroy lives. Someone can be under the influence of these spirits. Someone can be oppressed by these spirits. Someone can be possessed by these spirits. Kenneth Hagin Sr., who went to be with the Lord, he did not believe a born-again Christian could be possessed since their spirit is born again. How can Satan possess that which belongs to Christ? But he did believe a believer could be under the influence of spirits through wrong doors that have been opened. Just as if you go somewhere you shouldn't go or imbibe a substance you shouldn't, you can be under the influence. And believers open doors and they open the door to satanic influence. So let me be clear. Just as the kingdom of God is real, the kingdom of darkness is real. But as believers, we're not to fear the enemy. And why is that? We have authority over the enemy. This is why I don't watch movies that glorify Satan. Well, Austin, I, I wonder why my child is having nightmares. What have you let them watch? Well, it, it couldn't possibly have anything to do with what I'm doing. I wonder why they're having nightmares. What have you let them watch? We have the authority over the enemy. And authority trumps power every time. He can put on a display. He can put on a show. The cross in the house can fall, fall down. But the authority we have in Christ trumps satanic power every time. So why, is I, why would I as a believer spend the money that God has blessed me with to watch something glorifying Satan or glorifying the works of Satan or glorifying his power? Someone might ask, why don't we see more obvious demonic possession? And the answer in America and the West is we drug people. We medicate and drug them into oblivion. I have been to psychiatric wards. I have been to pray with people. And I have seen people drug and strapped down to where they don't know who they are. They don't know where they are. That's what our society does. The answer is the gospel. The answer is the blood of Jesus Christ. The answer is the power of the cross. The answer is the delivering power of the Holy Spirit. The answer in your life is speaking a word of command based on the authority you have in Christ to drive the enemy out. Mark 1, beginning in verse 21, Mark's account. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority, not as one of the teachers of the law. Just then a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit, an unclean spirit, he cried out, what do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The evil spirit shook the man violently and came out with a shriek. Despite this show, Luke tells us that the demon came out without injuring the man. The devil loves to put on a show. Don't be intimidated. I said, don't be intimidated. And that's why you can't fill your mind and your heart with the garbage of Hollywood glorifying Satan. Now, he sounds like one of those old-fashioned preachers. Yes. See, if you watch and listen to things that glorify Satan, when the time comes to drive him off, how are you going to do that? When your heart has been filled with fear by the garbage you've been watching or listening to. See, he'll, he'll put on a show, but it doesn't matter 
because the authority we have in Christ trumps his power every single time. He can put on a show, but when we say, come out in Jesus' name, or get out of our life in Jesus' name, that is sufficient. He must go. He must obey. He must submit. Jesus did not have a long conversation with the devil. He did not do a multi-day, three-day, four-day, five-day exorcism like the Roman Catholic Church. He did not use garlic or a crucifix or holy water. Jesus did not have all the disciples stand around the man in a circle and scream at him like has gone on in some charismatic churches. No, Jesus spoke a simple word of command in faith. Be quiet, come out of him. Be quiet, come out of him. The evil spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were also amazed. They asked each other, what is this? A new teaching and with authority. He gives orders to evil spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region. Friends, we have authority in Christ. Don't let Satan run your life. You drive him out of your life. Evil spirits obey Jesus. And evil spirits obey believers who know who they are in Christ. Evil spirits obey Jesus. And evil spirits obey believers who know who they are in Christ. Be quiet. Come out of him. That's it. Be quiet. Come out of him. James 4 and verse 7 says, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. But how can you resist the devil if you haven't submitted to God? How, how can you resist the devil if you filled your life with things that are displeasing to God? How can you resist the devil if you open this door and that door and this door and it's filled with darkness? How can you resist him? How can you fight the good fight of faith if you have not first submitted yourself and the entirety of your life and all that you are to God? Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. In the Greek, it says he will run as if in terror. See, we're not to be afraid of the enemy. The enemy is to be afraid of us. But you got to know who you are in Christ and you got to exercise your authority accordingly. Jesus said, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Say, say nothing will harm me. Say nothing will harm my family. Nothing will harm my children. Nothing will harm my church family. Nothing will harm me. Nothing will harm us. Say, I plead the blood of Jesus over my life. Say, I plead the blood of Jesus over my family. Say, I plead the blood of Jesus over my children. Say, I plead the blood of Jesus over my church and over my church family. We are to drive him out. Not put up with, not tolerate, not settle, not allow. We are to drive him out and say, not here, not today, not my life, not my family. And how do we do it? A word of command based on the authority you have in Christ. Get out of my life in Jesus' name. Be gone. In Jesus' name. Come out in Jesus' name. But we have to do our part. I end with a short story. This was a long time ago in the 80s, a few years after the church had started. Family in the church was beside themselves. They pleaded with my father that they, they needed him to come. They needed to come to the house. They needed to pray in their teenager's room. Well, when he went in that boy's room, he knew what the problem was because that, that room was basically an altar to satanic worship in the 80s and to bands that talked openly about worshiping who? The devil. I, I wonder why he, he's not how he was a year ago. I wonder why he has a bad attitude. You, you got to march right in there and tear all that off the walls. You, you got to get on the iPhone and delete, 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 and if that's not sufficient, throw it in the pool or throw it in the toilet. It's your house. It's your family. And our attitude ought to be in our house, our family, we're not going to hell. And we're not going to allow hell to come in through the front door, the back door, the online door, any door. 
in Jesus' name. Please bow your heads. You might be here today. Perhaps you have never given your life to Jesus Christ. You have never done what the Bible says. You have never submitted your life to God. God loves you. And God has a wonderful plan and purpose for your life. He wants to do so many good and wonderful things in your life. But it all begins by asking Jesus Christ to be the Lord and the Savior of your life. He's standing at the door of your life and he's knocking. But you have to open the door. You have to ask him to come in. You might be here today and say, Austin, I've never done that, but I want to. I want to ask Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. I want to ask him into my heart and life. That's you this morning, wherever you're seated. Raise your hand, raise it up high to where I'll see it, and I'll know you want me to pray with you. Say, Austin, pray with me. I want to ask Jesus into my heart and life. I want to be a part of the family of God. You might also be here today, and at a time in your life, you prayed a prayer, you walked an aisle, but you, you've done your own thing. Perhaps you've opened some wrong doors. Perhaps you have dabbled in the things of darkness, and you have paid a price. The Bible says the mercies of God are new every morning. The Bible says that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and he's just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Praise God, our heavenly father, he, he restores the years, the locusts have eaten. That is the grace and the mercy of God. You might say, Austin, I'm in need of some grace and mercy today. I, I want to leave here today knowing that I have peace with God. If you're here today and say, Austin, pray with me. I want to recommit my life. That's you, wherever you're seated, raise your hand, raise it up high to where I'll see it, and I'll know you want me to pray with you. Anyone this morning? I think I saw one or two hands, but we'll give a moment. If you raised your hand for either invitation, say, Austin, pray with me. To accept Christ, recommit my life, I'm going to ask that you come join me here at the front, we're going to pray. Maybe you didn't raise your hand, but the Lord, he's dealing with your heart. Come join me here at the front. We're going to pray. Bring your purse, Bible, whatever you brought with you so you're not worried about it. We're going to pray. No, no one will think a thing of it. No one will think a judgmental thought. Everyone here will be happy for you, excited for you. They will rejoice with you because there was a day in their life where they, they prayed a prayer. They walked an aisle. They, they surrendered their life to God. They submitted their life to God and they, they know the goodness of God. Bless you, bless you. Waiting on one more, then we're going, we're going to pray. All right. For the sake of those that have come forward, we're going to pray. Repeat this prayer after me. Say, Heavenly Father, I come to you. In the name of Jesus, I repent of my sins. I give you my life. And I ask Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. Thank you for welcoming me into your family. Thank you for a new beginning and a fresh start. Thank you for setting me free of anything that would hinder me in living for you. Thank you for welcoming me into your family. In Jesus' name, amen. We have some things we want to give you to be a blessing. And so if you'll take just a moment to go, to go with Miss Shauna Brewer right behind you and Mr. Cameron Butler, they've got some things they're going to give you to bless you with, and they'll get you right back in the service. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Let's take a moment and pray. Please bow your heads. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your spirit. I thank you for the blood of Jesus. I thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. I thank you that your will is that nothing in our lives would have control of us. No substance, no bondage, no addiction. And so I thank you that it, whether here in person, watching or listening now or later, I thank you that if there's anyone under the sound of my voice, and that they have struggled with something, but they, they want to be free. They, they don't want to struggle another day of their life. Be free now in Jesus' name.
And I plead the blood of Jesus over you that you would have the freedom, that you would have the victory, that you would never struggle with that another day of your life, that the taste for that would be gone, separated from you as far as the east is from the west. Receive your healing, receive your freedom, receive your deliverance now in Jesus' name. And Heavenly Father, we, we stand in prayer together as a church family, and we thank you for your hand of protection around us and around our children and grandchildren and teens and young adults, whether they're here, whether they're older, whether they're off at college. We thank you that no weapon formed against them will prosper. We plead the blood of Jesus over them. We, we thank you for every work, every plan, every deception of the enemy coming to naught, coming to nothing. We plead the blood of Jesus over them in Jesus' name. I said at 9 a.m. that when in a church family we become aware of a young person, teenager, or young adult who's off, who's off course, well, we ought not talk about it. We ought not run our mouth about it. We ought to do as Jesus said. We ought to go to the secret place. And no, you don't have to pray in your closet. You might think, well, my closet's kind of small for that. But go to the place of prayer. And instead of talking about them or talking about the situation to pray and intercede for our brothers in Christ. I remember in college when I was off track, there would be nights I'd wake up in the middle of the night and I could hear my mother praying outside my room. I would not be here today. I would not be standing here today if it was not for me having a praying mother. So we ought to stand in the gap. There was a battle in the Old Testament that as long as they held Moses' hands up, they had the victory. And any time he got tired or weak and his hands lowered, the battle started to go the enemy's way. And so men came to help Moses and they kept his hands uplifted in battle. And that's what we're to do for our brothers and sisters in Christ because maybe there are those among us and they've prayed and they've fought, but they're tired, they're discouraged. And so we have to come up alongside each other and lift up holy hands in prayer to God and pray and intercede and stand in the gap and say to the enemy, not here, not my family, not our church family, you take your hands off, you go harass someone else. Not here, not my family, not our church family, in Jesus' name.